Hey everyone, welcome back to my channel. So today I have the pleasure of welcoming John Hedges, Matchroom, Eddie Hearn's youngest ever signing pro boxer. But before we get into this podcast, I'd like to say a big thank you to Casita Properties for sponsoring us. They are the UK leading property company when it comes to off-market discreet buy-to-let sales. All the links will be in the description below. John Hedges, youngest signing for Matchroom Boxing. Yeah, like as as you said there, I was the first one to sign with Eddie at, at, at such a young age. We uh we started discussions at seventeen years old, which was to, to even turn pro was unheard of, and then uh yeah, it kind of went from there. For for legal reasons, we had to wait till I was eighteenth, my eighteenth birthday, announced my signing with Eddie on my eighteenth birthday, and it all went from there. So you must be half decent at boxing. <laughs> like to think so. <laughs> so, I mean, that firstly, congratulations. That's awesome. We, we were talking about Eddie Hearn, no context, all that stuff, you know, uh, the behind the scenes of boxing. I love boxing. I used to box at a young age. I was amateur, never, you know, not, not as far as you, but love boxing as a whole. So let's talk a little bit about boxing, the whole matchroom experience. I want to tap into that first. I mean, that must be an absolute buzz. Yeah, like when if, if you grow up as growing up round boxing, the dream is to sign with a top promoter. In my opinion, the best promoter there is, is Eddie Hearn. Yeah. Not just UK, I believe globally, um, he, he, he's, the, he's the king of boxing. So when I had the opportunity to sign with Eddie, it was like, I don't no even need to, I don't yeah I don't need to see no other offers I had a few different offers had one from Frank Warren at the time as well but without putting Frank down because you never know but Eddie was my man so as soon as the offer came in I was like told my management team let's get it signed I was only 18 so it was yeah. all all a bit overwhelming because obviously Covid hit at the same time I wasn't actually in the gym when I was doing the negotiations so I put on a little weight but I could always talk and I had a great amateur background. My amateur background was 44 fights, 40 wins. So in the amateur scene, I kind of I cleared up. I boxed for England since 12 years old, um, boxed for GB and, and, and covered everything in amateur. So that's what gave me the pedestal as such to, to sign with Eddie. Um, but yeah, when you actually get the text message coming through, you're a bit like, Phew. yeah, <laughs> like, oh, we're out <laughs> celebrating tonight. Yeah, yeah, literally that. And, and then it kind of reality hit. It was like, with COVID, we can't train, and I might have just landed myself a deal already earned. So, a little bit of anxiety and everything like that, but <laughs> you, you just went with it. Oh, mate, it's, it's so exciting. And look, you know, a lot of people watch Eddie Hearn. And so, it's not even like it's Matchroom, which yeah. is amazing. But also, I think Eddie Hearn's built up such a good brand. And I think at one point, I mean, I certainly remember, like, we were talking about watching Coogan in the early days, but Eddie Hearn at one point was, was quite Marmite at one point and 100%. rubs people up the wrong way but now I think he's won the people over and look if I if I was if I was a pro box I'd, I'd want to be signed by Matchroom because I, I can say this I'm going to say it because I know you can't but <laughs> when I do look at you know I've stayed close to boxing but when I look at promoters I've always found Frank Warren's a little bit dated now like he's just you look at his boxers and they're just not popping like the, the brand and the marketing isn't there. And, you know, as a boxer, I imagine you want the whole package. You don't just want to be a great boxer. You want to be someone that people know about, not not just you some guy. You want to be the household name. Yeah, exactly. So um, massive congrats on on signing for Matchroom, especially as the youngest signing. Where did it all start? It all started. So dad was a fighter. Brother was a fighter. Um, I would hate to say it, but kind of forcing the fight in, if you know what I mean. Like, so obviously, my dad come from a boxing background. We're, we're, we're travellers. We are we are a travelling family. Um, so even in that sense, you're kind of you're brought up to fight, sort of thing. And it's just how you are. All your all your family did, your cousins did, and it's kind of it's not people say it's born into you. It kind of is because if I went and played football, I'd just be looked at as weird. No one in my family done it. No one I even knew was doing it. So it's like. Why aren't you fighting? And he's that kind of thing. My brother done well, but he was never at, he boxed for West Ham Boxing Club. 
Um, and then Repton Boxing Club, I remember Beth Green. Uh, my brother was a good fighter, but he was never at the level where he could ever do it for a job. He, he, my brother could literally have a fight. He, he had no boxing skill in that sense and not putting him down, but he had loads of heart and he just used to get beat by a better boxer. So then when it come to me, it was like, I want to do what my brother didn't do. I want to show that I can fight, but I want to show that I can make a living out of this because as a lot of people know, travelling boxers, as a kid, there's loads of us. There's hundreds of us. And then we all get married young and you, you settle down. You've got a family at 18 and before you know it, you can't you can't box because yeah. you need to go to work. But I wanted, to, I wanted to do something different. Do you know what I mean? I wanted to actually dedicate myself to it and just show that I'm not here for the short term and I want to make a living. And I think that's why having that drive and seeing so many people around me be like, honestly, such good fighters from 12 to 14 and having the people, the best people in Europe go, God, that kid's unreal, to then being married by 16 and packing up and losing it all. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And, and that was my main thing. So I stuck to it. Um, I moved to Repton Boxing Club at 12 years old. So I was an Essex boy boxing in London from a very young age. And I think that's what my dad believed would man me up. Being in a London gym, it's a little bit more rougher than what I'm used to. It's teaching you discipline in the sense that these boys have got troubled childhoods. Like they don't care in that ring. Yeah. It, it was always a bit bit on a, on a knife edge when you was in there. So... I was I was glad to be took out of my comfort zone and I think that made me the fighter I am today. Yeah, I mean, how did you find it? Because I can only imagine then, you know, you're talking about this whole process of, you know, the travelling background where you got settled down, everything like that, and almost cut what could be a great career short. So how did you break that mould? Was it a case of you were just shining early and we were like, you know, people around you were like, well, we've got to let you spread your wings or were you pushing back and saying, no, hang on a minute, I've got something here? Yeah, it was a bit like that. I, I was always told like, I had an old head on young shoulders and even growing up, it was always, I was happy to go to school. I wasn't one of them kids who was like, I don't want to go to school, I want to go to work. I was, I was happy to do my own thing. I weren't the so-called stereotypical traveller. I was happy to go to school do me education. Um, I always thought I was going to be an officer or something like that. I wanted to wear a suit, do you know what I mean? And then um, when it got into the boxing, I think I just had that much more discipline. I always had a, a life plan that I don't care what I do, but I want to be successful. Whether it be boxing, whether it be business, I want to be successful. And then that sort of drive kept me narrow-headed, whereas I didn't win all the titles. When I first was an amateur boxer, a lot of boys a lot better than me, but they were packing up and I stayed to it. I stayed to it. And then everything kind of clicked into place. It's one of those things, you know, in like sport, I mean, I played high level football when I was younger, up until sort of, you know, 16 years old, really high level for a centre of excellence. And even now, when I walk along in the park, you can see a sharp player. Like you can just notice it, but that, yeah. that player won't necessarily know how sharp they are. But you know, when you're watching like a five, six year old and they're just out playing everyone else, they don't know it. And I'm it's the same for boxing, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, my, my little boy is nine now, but he's he's been he's been boxing for a couple of years and he's sharp. But then even the kids that are the same age as him and younger, they're sharper. Yeah, and you can yeah, see you can it. See it. At, it's that little shine. Yeah, and, and it's like you almost, you really want to promote it because it's like there's something good there that could be yeah. amazing. And I've, I've watched a few of your fights. you got, you know, I'm not even going to sit here and make out like, <laughs> like I'm your coach, but I can tell you're, you're a boxer. Yeah, like exactly. Good, boxing, boxer, good yeah. boxing skills, like good, good fundamentals. So, yeah, I can only imagine from that background so many maybe so many people could have been good boxers oh, from mate, a fighting background but they yeah there's so many like you just said they're like growing up the irish travelers especially when they're young they're they're they're, they're men before us like at 12 i'm a kid i'm a fat kid with love handles i'm this little chubby boy they're not they're 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 men child do you know what i mean and yeah they would tear through anything they was fighting russians at like 12 and they're beating them and then they get to 16 you're like this kid's gonna go pro surely no 
goes, gets yeah, married. married. Yeah, and he's finished. <laughs> All that bit of talent. He's doing a patio. Yeah, he's doing a patio. <laughs> exactly that. And, and then you become the stereotypical one. And it was like, what is the sense? Like, we yeah. get... Travellers get tarnished with a name. And I'm not going to lie, like, half of us deserve it because a lot of people do bad things they shouldn't do but it's not all the same and that sort of thing there you've got the talent just use your bit of head yeah. use your bit of you've got a bit up there to get that talent like use a bit of savvy and go get a deal with a promoter but then it's the same oh, oh I won't be told what to do well then that's why you haven't made it Yeah, you've got to sometimes like, as you know with anything you've got to say the right things to the right people and sometimes you've got to do a bit of arse licking something like in, in the sense of that just to get in that door and then when you're in you can, you can, you can make your name to make strides, you've got to break the mould. Like you have yeah. to go against the grain. If if anyone's going to do anything great, anything different, anything worth doing, it's hard. And you've got to break these traditional moulds. And I, yeah. I'm a big believer in that. You've just done that. So I think continue on that route because I don't think you would have landed the match. Well, you, no, you wouldn't have landed no, the match room never. sponsorship had you have not continued. So let's let's talk a little bit about opportunity. So sponsored by Matchroom, I can only imagine that your journey now you're going to start getting other deals coming through the door what, what does that look like in terms of behind the scenes for people looking on the outside all we see is the boxer the logos on the t-shirt the yeah. stuff like that how does it how does it all integrate and how how does it work so everything i do really goes from my management which is sjam boxing so they look after me personally and then eddie's my promoter so if i ever have well whenever my fights are they're always on eddie hearn's platform being matching boxing live on the zone um it's a great platform the zone at the time, I used to think Sky was the best thing ever. The Zone tripled the views, so it's like <laughs> it's crazy. Um, it's only that in England we all believe in Sky, obviously, because we see it all the time. But in America and and globally, the Zone's the biggest platform. So, signed with the Zone, I renewed my contract this year for another eight fights, which to me was repaying Eddie Hearn a favour because when I first turned pro, I had my debut at eighteen, and I had a very hard fight. It was a fight which probably the nerves got the better of me. I won. But it was very controversial and it was a very close fight and it was a lot, I took a lot of backlash from it. Obviously, being on Sky, everyone wants you to lose anyway because you're this made-to-be-cocky kid, but I wasn't. But I had to do what the camera wanted me to do and yeah. I took a lot of stick and then Eddie rung me up after. He, was, he could have dropped me from that performance. I boxed terrible. I got the win, but boxed terrible. And his first thing he's saying, he, he apologised to me. He was like, you had the wrong opponent, you had this. And for that sort of thing there, I'd always be loyal because he gave me a shot when no one else did and it just happened to be that I believe he's the best as well. Yeah. So I re-signed a contract for eight fights um, and my first of that eight fights is October the 29th, um, Wembley Arena. And that's the start of it, yeah. Big opportunity ahead. Big opportunity on that's Katie Taylor's undercard. It'd be good. Um, I reckon there's some tickets here, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> this Wheeling. goes well. <laughs> but no, massive opportunity is... Is it all for the camera? You know, like a lot of people will always say, you know, a lot of the um, the big fights, like especially if we look at like um, Connor and Chris coming up, yep. you can tell there's rivalry and you can tell like what you see on the camera is genuine. But, you know, is is it is it pushed far more than we think? You know, is it is it, is it that marketing? Because you, you look at it and you think, well, there is a big, there is a big conflict here. Like it's, it's going to be a big one. But yeah. There's marketing behind everything, isn't there? hundred and ten percent. Like I've been in, I wouldn't say the fighters' names, but I've been in occasions where maybe pay per view hasn't done as well as it should have. And listen, there's get a little whisper in the ear, chuck that bottle of water over his head, or <laughs> flip that table while you're at it. And and the Go thing is, by flipping that, t- yeah, flipping that table, got another four million views and probably yeah. another hundred thousand pay per view sales. So things like that have to be done. And as yeah. you understand, marketing so important. And but yeah, in boxing, there, there is a general hate with certain people. However, it is exaggerated as well. Yeah. But at the end of the day, 
they'll after the fight they'll be best of mates they've earned loads of money from each other and they'll probably run it back and earn the exact amount of money again double it well the thing is at the end of the day you're all in the industry to, yeah. to win like everyone you know you don't I can't imagine that people seriously you know want to damage someone for life you no, know like everyone wants not. to come out of it and go back to their families opportunity wise so like beyond the boxing obviously you've got this really exciting career ahead of you what other things are you interested in you know like have you got aspirations to sort of really capitalise on this because from my eyes or, or you know from where I'm sitting from the from the outside in is like it's a platform that you could just totally go into different areas after boxing or even during have you yeah. got sort of ideas and aspirations yeah so like um my, my whole thing is I always have been I want to be around top people and like you just said there being on Matchroom is a top platform you're mixing with big names every day and you sometimes take you for granted like when I was a, obviously when I first signed being around Eddie it was like oh my god I'm with Eddie Earn today but now it's a bit it's worn off the novelty as such because he's now my promoter and we're, we're together all the time sort of thing but um, the, the the plan is to eventually I'd love to own my own gym and and have have a few about do you know what I mean and having the having the nickname the gentleman gentleman's gym it works so uh, I've always had that I've I've actually we've got containers which which are made into a gym in Bishop Stalford near my local and that is the first gentleman's gym it's on a cheap standard and it's a cheap base at the moment but it's a starting point and yeah. I do a lot of PTs down there and there is a Monday Wednesday Monday Wednesday Friday gym sessions and it's getting about thirty people in a, in a session so it's moving alright but. Eventually, as I develop into a better fighter and get my name out there more, I want I want it to be big time. Yeah, I love hearing that because, like, you know, we've spoken about it before. But you get like footballers who own big packets, and there's no. It's just the same with schooling. Like, there's no information around. Okay, look, you're going into a career that you could earn a shit ton of money, but there's also something set up here that we can teach you out about all the yeah. finances. You know, do you want to go into business? Do you know how to invest and stuff like that? Because you're going to be going through this stage of being able to bring in these big packets and it's like reinvesting that in a smart way is going to it's going to set you up so i think what you're doing that's that's awesome and you, you've got to have something i think you take an interest in as well to keep yourself like if you're switching off and you're not, and you're not focused on 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 the end goal obviously you're going to you're going to lose yourself but like i just said there i think being in the right circle and i, I want to learn I'm, I'm very open to learning like i i I don't know much about business to what I need to know. So it's like being around top people and things like that should, it's going to open my knowledge. Oh, it's going to elevate you. Honestly, yeah. for one of the biggest things for me and my career and my journey and to, to where I am now, you know, small, medium, big successes has all come down to the people that I've been around. 110%. It's, it's, it's your network. Your yeah. network will earn you big money. And what I would say as well is like when we look at things like boxers, football players, is, is they would turn around and say, well, this is my bread and butter. And the other thing with that is now that you've got this opportunity, you call it the bread and butter. However, just like other things like influencers and people like this, it can be taken away in a heartbeat. You can lose your account. You could, you know, you could have a major injury. Yep. Um, I mean, I was. Oh, I remember when George Groves popped his shoulder, and I thought, "Oh, he's fucked." That's him done. And that yeah. was him done, and he, yeah. and you know, and he was one of my favourite fighters, George. And I just thought, Great he's never going to be the same. So it's like having that that counter plan, like, okay, you know, I'm earning this, I'm doing this, but what am I building in the background that's going to serve me once this once this goes kaput? Do you ever worry about that sort of injury? A hundred percent. So I actually had a turn out not to be as bad, but I had a massive injury before um before I turned pro. Um, I boxed internationally in Germany. I done a, a two day boxing tournament for Team England. I went out there, I won, and I come back. I done a dramatic weight cut. I went from seventy four kg down to sixty six in about the space of like probably 
under two weeks, like 12 days. And I was tall and I'm a kid, so I didn't actually have a lot to lose. So yeah. to, to do that weight cut consistently over the two days and then fight as well and have hard fights. I, I won them, but it was hard. It took a drainage on my body and I remember flying home and I didn't tell no one, I didn't feel right. Like I started having like little numb feeling in my face, little bit of a, a pain in my head, but I thought, oh, it's flying, all that. Got back, went to bed, woke up, my whole face had dropped. It looked like I had a stroke. Mm. Um, so my, my, my mouth here went down to there, my eye dropped. It was like that for about six weeks and I honestly thought I had a stroke though. So woke up in the morning, run downstairs, looked at me mum, she's busted out crying. She's like, he's had a stroke in his sleep. I didn't feel fine. And you know, when you, you've not told no one, in yeah. my head, I was like, this is a stroke, you know, like, I, I felt should this coming on. Something. Yeah, I should have said something. So rushed us to the hospital, trainee nurses on at the time, Oh, we're sorry to tell you he's had a blood bleed on the black uh, bleed on the brain. Well, that for any fighter, man, that's game over. You don't yeah. step in the ring again when you have a bleed. Um, so I was sitting there. I've not made my pro debut. I'm 16 years old. I'm sitting there, and do you know what done me? Yeah, I was actually all right. I don't know. It didn't hit me. My mum and dad was obviously devastated. I hope we were hoping for big things. That she, the trainee nurse, come out ready to shave my head, and mate, that done me. I see, and I thought they got to cut my head open here like that. I know. I don't know a lot about surgery, but. If your head's getting cut, that's that's serious, and it just good, literally a godsend that another nurse come in to uh, a doctor, sorry, to come in and 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 double check the procedure, and it was I think called Bell's palsy. Don't know if you mm. heard it. It's like a it's like a virus which can take like it takes hold I think of your muscles. Justin Bieber had, wasn't it? Yeah. Did, did Justin Bieber have it? Yeah. yeah. So I, and I know the the strong the the world's strongest man, Fiore Beyonce, he he's got it and he's permanently left with a wonky face. Oh yeah. So. When they said his bowels palsy, I was like, "That will get better." So it was, it was a godsend. But in that, like that, that split second oh, yeah. of time, mate, it was over. Yeah, I, I, I could only dream of having a pro debut. Yeah. Never mind being a world champion and things like this. It was just, I, was, I sat there, I was crying my eyes out, just thinking, "Just give me one pro debut. Give me a ring walk. That's all I want." Yeah, and it just puts things in perspective. As quick as thing, as quick as you got things good, it can go like that. Oh, and you don't. I think depending on the age that you are. I mean, I had. I won't go into it too much. But when I was twelve, I ended up getting something called osteomyelitis which oh. basically is like a bone marrow eating bacterial infection and literally i had holes riddled Shit. in my hip bone and literally i was told that i was about two weeks away from having my entire left leg removed because it was so bad and you were doing your going football. down and i was doing oh, yeah. and, I, and i was like, i was it was semi-pro like i had a scholarship and you know and everything like this and i used to leave school twice a week and stuff you know um and I remember just thinking, I mean, it was worse than my parents because I, was, I had like literally lines from here to my heart, one on that side, injections. Yeah, like they're panicking, that's their son. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, and that was like a real, oh my God, like we are not invincible. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, you, it, things like that. So wait, it, force, yeah, it forces you to make plans. And this is, you know, we talk a lot about entrepreneurship in, you know, like business, just just making something for yourself whilst you can, because at any point the old knock on the door can come and you've seen it in boxing. And that's, you know, that's why I brought it up because it could be your last fight. You never know. Could yeah, be. The, the minute you walk it, step into that ring, sounds cliche and it sounds cringe sometimes because you hear people say it, but you're putting your life at risk. Uh, you, someone's hitting you in the head. Like, don't matter how they hit you, I could be wrong one day. You could be a little bit dehydrated. It's game over. And I think when you put it in perspective, that could be game over. Yeah. Every time you step in the ring, I don't, I take it for granted, but, and a lot of people do, but every time you step in that ring, you should think, am I sorted on the outside first? Like, yeah. have I got a plan B? Because a lot of fighters don't. I'd like to think I've got good people around me that I would have a plan B and yeah. I'd have something put in place straight away, but you never know. It's always good to think 
fingerhead. It is. Two things I want to bring up with you. So one, I was going to say, I just got to mention this. I, remember, oh, I can't remember what it was, but it was during lockdown. So there was no real audience. So you could hear the slap of the punch. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't, get, wouldn't want to get punched by Conor Ben. I'll tell you what, I hear his. <laughs> I they, on they are, ben they versus are, Vargas. Yeah, that's it, Vargas. They it, yeah. were clapping those noises. They, I think we heard those in Romania and Kazakhstan and all, all kinds of places. Like that was brutal. So yeah, absolutely. Like plan B, plan B C, D and E and F. Um, trust, it must be in anything in life. Trust is obviously up there business, you know, when money's involved, I said it earlier, if someone will steal a pound, they'll steal a million quid to get rid early. It must be a big thing. Trust in that kind of industry, because a lot of people I imagine will use you to leverage their profile, get in certain doors. How do you feel about trust sort of going into the industry? Who's genuine? Who's not? exactly what you just said there like there's a lot of people who fish about who make out they're there for your best interest but I'm not I'm not stupid in the fact that I know not many people would give something and not want something back unless they're family or unless they're your best friend and as much as even Eddie himself he's a businessman I might be promoted by him but only way I earn money is if I'm earning money and that's yeah. that's the vicious circle of life right and and I suppose you just the quicker you accept that that you don't have a chip on your shoulder, but you're always a bit wary then and you stay a little bit more cautious that, hold on, I'm giving you this. Do I get anything in return? Because I was, when I first turned pro, I was so grateful to be with Eddie Earn and be the youngest ever signing. I'll do anything for free. I'll do, oh yeah, well, I'm with him. I'm living the dream in my head. But then I started realising you've got to understand your worth mm -hmm. and being around top fighters, like in our gym, we've got world champions, what Ebony Bridges and things like that. And she was like, you're worth more than that. Like, tell them you should be having a bit of a wage for doing things like this and when when I started understanding that then you you you, you get the respect for trust you start yeah. realising that oh hold on a minute I didn't think I was being used but yeah. that's what I was I was used as an advertisement tool and I think you've got to make the mistakes you've got to make the slip ups and then when they're, when they're made you know where you stand yeah I think one thing you'll you'll learn because how old are you now? 20 20 so what one thing you, you definitely like as you go through the years like I'm sitting here 30 years old just literally just turned 30 you you know we, we've spoken about it's me and Paul as well but you learn to smell the bullshit like you can smell from bullshit a from a mile away yeah, now yeah. and you can you can see someone who who's trying to use it for their platform they're trying to gain access they're trying to there's, there's some form of an agenda and one thing that I've learned from people who have made a lot of money but have come from very humble backgrounds and a typically family people they're the ones that normally you can you can have a little bit of a safeguard with yeah the people that are on a on that real steep incline on their journey still they've got a long way to go so you're either helping them up the hill or you're going to be holding them yeah. back and yeah, yeah, yeah and what i will say one thing that i've learned from business and any kind of financials that are involved whether it's your wife or whether it's your best friend or whether it's your mum maybe not your mum <laughs> You treat it as a business transaction. Yeah. And after that transaction is done, then you're back to normal relationships. Yeah. But yeah, my God, you're going to go through that process of like just smelling the bullshit. Yeah, like it I happens. Imagine. I'm sure you're already picking up some sense from some people. Sp sponsorship as much as anything. Like you get some sponsors and they text you out and you can't ever turn down an option because you never know that that one, what you think is bullshit might be right. So yeah. I'll, I'll answer every one of them. And then I realize oh, if you just let me come watch this fight, there'll be X amount, 15 grand for you. <laughs> sorted them tickets yep oh the business liquidated and then you realise how many times can that actually happen do you know what yeah. I mean and, and like you just said there you smell it I think yeah. I started I started looking about now and you do see it beforehand you see what they got behind them and you think you haven't got the money to sponsor it not being rudely you, but 
but that's how I look at the business. You, yeah. you, you could, if you had that sort of money, you would spend it doing something else. So, yeah. And I've started to understand it a little bit, but like you say, I'm going to have to, I've got a lot of years yet, and I. Yeah. Well, it, it will come, it will come in time. And like I did an article, uh, a blog on my LinkedIn uh, a long time ago, and it was called How to Spot a Waffler. <laughs> and it's almost like you have a self checklist. So, like when people get in touch with me or they, they'll talk about certain things, especially around sort of like my bread and butter stuff. I've only got to ask them a couple of questions and on their answers, I know whether it's worth entertaining yeah. or not. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure you get it all the time, you know, where you get those people that say, oh, do you want to meet up for a coffee? And and you'll, you know, not being rude, but you turn around and say, why? Like, why, why do you <laughs> want to meet? Well, I get that. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's the synergy? What's the collaboration? And it's not, it's not all about take, give, take. Sometimes... Some people, some people just do give. Yeah, yeah, they're there very is, they're far. Genuine. Yeah, yeah, there's not many. There's, there's, there's not far many, and but... few, but again, like smelling the whole bullshit. Um, with the sponsorship and stuff like that, just for an interest, because I know people are going to love it. Do you tend to sort of do you negotiate a lot of your stuff, or is it all management? Because obviously, you're going to want if you're if you're doing all this sort of sponsorship branding stuff, it's got to obviously reward you. Do you get involved in the negotiations much, or is that with your team? Personally, if I can. I'd rather do the sponsorship on myself only because depending on the person, if they're spending their hard-earned uh, hard money on me and I'm their advertisement tool, then I think I can repay other people in different ways. Like, for example, I've got a sponsor. His son is obsessed with boxing. So although I'm advertising his dad's business and that's helping his dad out, I can help his son out. Let, look, come down to the gym with me. Come meet the boxers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, in my head, I think that's something what, a management can't do for you. Do you know what I mean? I could, he's, he's a local boy. I say, bring your bring son up. Come on, get a photo, get a few autographs. And that's made that boy's day. Yeah. Whereas if my management's dealing with it, they can't have that personal personal yeah. view because they don't know how I'm going to take it. So I think personally, if I can do it on my own, it is so much better because you can help different people out. There can be different deals for different different people, like I say. And and all you ask is that if they're fair with you, you treat them fair. Yeah. And, and then you don't take each other for idiots. I think sometimes, because I've, I've dealt with a lot of management I've dealt with a lot of management companies, um, like in t talks with guests or like, you know, like meeting them or bring them along to events and stuff like this. Some management companies are great. Like can't fault yeah. them. I've got some great relationships with some PR companies, but other ones, you it's weird because you can speak to the individual first and then they'll go, just get in contact with my management company. You get in contact, they're like, no, don't work for us. Yeah. We've, we've had, right, we won't say the individuals, but these podcasts normally last around 30, 35 minutes, like recording time, yeah. makes for good content. And then we've, we've literally had people say, well, we want 20 grand, like for a half hour, uh -huh. like legit 20 grand. This is what I mean. Like it's non-profit. Yeah. Like no one's earning money here. Like it, it's non-profit. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, 20 grand like literally our biggest one we actually had we need to pay 20 grand uh well no it's, i mean that's insane yeah yeah uh, and and where's that sort of funding coming from do you know what i mean it's like and, and and that's exactly what i mean and if it's the person itself they might think well you know what? i actually quite like these podcasts i don't mind going on it for nothing do you know what i mean but yeah if they don't get the opportunity to see it first so i always say to people only ones i'm not sure on is there might be certain businesses where they do something which I'm not sure if it looks good me advertising. So yeah. now I go, you know what? Get in contact with my management. If they say, okay, yeah. don't ask them when I'm free. Just text me and I'll yeah. tell you when I'm free. And then I think that's that's the best way. Don't get me wrong. As you get bigger, I can imagine your 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 phone don't stop ringing and yeah. you've got things here, there and everywhere. But at the moment, I'm happy to do it on my own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's that like human element. You grow yeah. quick through other people. Exactly. Like we always try and sort of deal with a lot of people. If we can, like we, we've got some meetings set up and... Um, like we always try and go, don't we, and just sit down and actually talk. And you know, we won't say too much, but we're going to be we're going to be dealing with one of the UK's one of the most richest men, like insane in in terms yeah. of other in other things that we're doing. And 
it's in it's insane. But there's that human element behind that. That only happened because there was human. There was yeah. no. There was no. How to ex there was no automation process to go through. It was on a human element where people can listen to what we're saying and hear us, and then go, oh, "Okay, okay. oh, actually, yeah. oh, okay, that makes sense." You yeah. know, um, so yeah, always keep that human element because, like, you'll you'll still grow, and it's a it's a people's game, isn't it? He, that's exactly like you've got to win yeah, the people. You don't want to talk over. to a robot. You want to talk to the person itself and say, "Listen, coming down, you interested, or do you want to do something together? Can we make something happen? You want to see the enthusiasm, and you want it to pop, don't you? And yeah. it, if you get that spot, then it, it happens." I think that's where, you know, just staying on boxing sort of as we do come to a close, I think that's what happened with AJ. Like we spoke about this. I think, you know, I don't expect you to sort of come back with an answer on this, but from, from our perspective, like looking in is that I just felt like he was, he, he, he got lost in too much marketing and like you lost the person of AJ and then eventually all this pressure and persona of trying to be someone like I can only imagine in front of millions and millions of people trying to keep up this persona of, I'm the people's champ. I'm this, I'm it's this, I'm this. Man. One day you just go, I can't fucking deal with it. And then you see a different side to that person that might just be, do you know, Brad said it earlier. I really like this. Our first guest, um, he went through like suicidal thoughts, deep depression, like involving drugs and all this stuff. He said, he's a life coach now and he tries to sort of really pick people up who are in dark times. And he said, you know, these people that a guy will pull out in the, you know, pull out of a road and they just sort of cut in and you have to slam on your brakes and you know you get some people fucking you know like this how do you know that person is not rushing to his mum who's literally in hospital who's going to lose you their life story, do you? you know and these people that just infill with rage like instantly and it's like you know you kind of just got to go slow the fuck down and yeah. just just we're all chill. humans like you just said we are all human yeah. we all got a bad day we all got a good day like th this is like empathy yeah there's there's not many businesses you know, old school businesses that showed empathy. You know, a worker comes in, why are you slacking? Well, you know, no, 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 you haven't made enough calls today. I've just lost my mum. Yeah. There's no there's yeah. no empathy no, in corporate. No, no, like no, corporate no. doesn't doesn't go hand in hand with empathy. And that's what that's what needs to change. And I suppose, you know, keeping that with like as you grow and stuff like that is massive. Yeah, like and like you said there, there's no everything's textbook. Why isn't it not this is the real world? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. this this is the real world. Today I've had a I've had a shit day. I I don't need this today, but I'll give you a I'll give you a double tomorrow. I'll work twice as hard tomorrow. Yeah. You can't do that in a in a normal job. I, I don't believe anyway because they're like, well, no, the book says you got to do eight till four. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you that the book needs to be screwed up, and I'll come in here at eleven. And I'll work till twelve o'clock that night. Yeah. And I'll yeah. make up for it. And the, it's like the, the numbers didn't add up. Yeah, but yeah, but you've you've taken away what I'm saying to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know my old dear, bless her, she was at her job and she's got all this pressure on her job and like private medical secretary and all this stuff. She's getting thrown all this work and she said they won't listen to the people on the ground who do the work. Nah. You know, and I, I felt that when I was in employ when when I was employed. You know, they'll never listen. They'll just look at numbers and it's like You're you know, another it's, worker. It's just another worker. And like you said, good days, bad days. As we sort of come to a close, I've loved this by the way. Through some of your bad days, how do you pick yourself back up? Like, what do you do if you're having a real shit day and you're thinking, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing all this for. I'm sick of it. I don't want to talk to anyone. What do you do to stay in a good mindset to reset yourself and go again? Do you know what I think it is more than anything? There's always like, this sounds so cringy now, but there's a, a quote we'll always go back to. Always remember the days you dreamed of the things you have now. And I think as bad as my worst day can be now, mate, when I was that, when I was younger, this was my dream to be in a position. The problems I'm, I might get now is a problem I used to dream of having. Like, oh, yeah. I've got to take 12 calls today on my management. Oh, it's a hassle. 
and I'm having a real real down day. I've sparred bad, so that's put me mo- bad mood. Then my weight's bad, and then I've got all this. But you know what? I'm a pro boxer. I'm signed by Matchroom. I think it's just keeping yourself remembering that, and then you get that boost. Do you know what I mean? That that gives you that. Yeah, yeah. all right. And I'm I'm back. Do you know what I mean? Bit of self reflection. Yeah, yeah. Because it's easy to get wrapped up in it. Like I'm always sparring thirty year old men. I'm twenty eight year olds. I've not long been out of school. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes sparring really good. Next time I might get a bit of an eye in. But it's that I, I look at myself as a man, man. Like like I'm a twenty eight year old. Like I'm a twenty five year old. Whatever it is, and I come out. I beat myself up. Like oh man, I've just what have I done that for? I'm meant to be this, but now I think twenty year old. Like. Yeah take a bit of pressure on myself and think I'm doing all right. Long as I'm oh. in this position when I'm 25, 26, I'm happy. Oh mate, so. 20 years old. I mean, we're both of us are sitting here thinking, <laughs> honestly, fuck <laughs> if you play, not even like your boxing career. Like I, I say this, like I say this with like total honesty. If you're smart, even if you weren't in boxing, if you're just money smart, you could seriously be a seriously wealthy person by thirty. Like yeah, I, I seriously it, mean that. This, this, and you just got to be driven from the start. You can't. Yeah, yeah exactly. You got to have that path, haven't you? And I'm, I'm the same. That's how I. Yeah. That's how I think you've got to think. And the bad days, you just got to make sure the good days are twice as. Yeah. Twice as good as keep, the bad. Keep like, the horse blinkers on and ignore the ignore yeah. the noise. And if you're smart with money, you're smart with business. You, I, I would say, you know, I was I was on the phone as we sort of finish up. I was on the phone to a friend who, like I said, runs this. Uh, very successful agency for influencers in the UK. And he said, stay close to negotiations. Like, don't, you know, you have a management team. Yep. But you as sh- a business, become a business person. Don't don't remain the sports person. Yeah. Like, be the sports person, but be the business person. Yeah, have an eye on what's yeah, going on. Yeah, because you need to mould your future. And, yeah, and, yeah. and if you're being paid a certain amount, had you been in negotiations and said, actually, do you know what? It's like you you don't ever accept the first sponsorship. Exactly. You know, so, um, mate, I wish you all the best. Like, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm so pleased that you came on the podcast, mate, because first boxer on, um, love boxing myself. So it was good to merge yeah, the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, business, bit of boxing. Yeah, and blend it in. So, um, but look, where can people follow you? How can they watch your fights? Just a little bit. Where can people land yeah, on so you? I, I box live on the zone. So the zone do their own subscriptions now. But um, I sometimes on before the bell on YouTube. So I just put my name in John Hedges. It'll come straight up. Uh, Instagram's John Hedges one. Twitter John Hedges underscore. And yeah, there you are. Bosh, mate, I've Bosh, absolutely yeah. loved it. Yeah, Everyone who's watched, this was, like I say, the first pro boxer. Really, really enjoyed it. It's different. I've I've enjoyed talking about something different as well, mate. Um, And obviously loving the sport of boxing. Until next time, we will see you all very soon.